Warning, this show may contain adult language that is not suitable for all audiences. This is the TSN MMA Show with Aaron Bronstetter and Bazooka Joe Valtellini. Welcome to another edition of the TSN MMA Show. I'm your host, Aaron Bronstetter, typically joined each and every week by Bazooka Joe Valtellini, but glory is coming up soon. Joe's got a lot going on. We had some conflicting schedules this week, so uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be the pilot this time around and uh, just you know, take you through everything going on in the world of mixed martial arts. And unfortunately, there's not a lot going on right now in the world of mixed martial arts. So we'll talk about what we can talk about. And we're also going to have interviews on this show. We're going to combine it for, uh, for this week and uh, play you some great interviews with uh, Kelvin Gastelum, Kayla Harrison, Brandon Royval. Uh, very excited for you to hear those interviews, uh, as well as Ignacio Bajamundes, who joins the show. Uh, somebody uh, who I, I'm quite high on as a prospect. So you will get to hear all of those great interviews at the end of this here program. Uh, let's start off with the PFL. You got Kayla Harrison in the main event. She's a minus 2200 favorite. Unbelievable. Uh, in her fight against Jenna Fabian. Very exciting fight uh, for Kayla Harrison. Interesting stylistic matchup. Uh, Fabian, very tall for the division. Six feet tall. So uh, a lot more legs for Kayla Harrison to hypothetically grab onto and uh, and score a win if she is able to do so she will be in the finals once again and she may be facing the same fighter as last season as uh we have another great matchup between larissa pacheco who's a sizable favorite in her own right at about minus 700 taking on taylor guardado uh, on the same event so really looking forward to seeing how this one plays out in the pfl and that's coming up tomorrow night We've also got a, a UFC card ahead of us, headlined by Kelvin Gastelum and Jared Cannonier. Another great fight on that card is uh, Brandon Royval taking on Alashange Pantoja. I keep trying to pronounce it the Portuguese way and, and fail miserably, fall on my face each time. So uh, you can definitely uh, expect those two fights to deliver, both uh, solid action fighters. That should be a lot of fun as well. Uh, and I am very excited for uh, both of those fights. And you've also got the co event, Mark Madsen, taking on Clay Guida. I'm eager to see what Marco Madsen looks like in his return to the Octagon. Should be a lot of fun. Uh, I also want to mention I was on Morning Combat with uh, Brian Campbell, so uh, you can check that out uh, on the Morning Combat uh, feed on YouTube or the podcast or wherever you consume that great show. It was uh, fun chopping it up with, uh, Brent, with Brian Campbell. Always love speaking with him. He's a, a good dude in the media space and uh, Luke Thomas on vacation, so they, they, they called me up. They called me off the bench. So it was nice to uh, be a uh, co-host on Morning Combat for the second time. Appreciate those guys. Uh, Misha Sirkinov, Canadian. The only ranked Canadian in the UFC right now is not going to be ranked before his next fight as he's moving down to middleweight, which will probably have him removed from the light heavyweight rankings. But he'll be taking on Christoph Jotko on October the 2nd. I, you know, I spoke to Misha a while back, and he uh, basically said to me that he always had a middleweight that middleweight card kind of up his sleeve if he needed to pull it. And uh, I guess he finds that now is the time for him to pull that card, and now he is going to be moving down to the middleweight division. Really excited to see what Misha Sirkinov can do. I uh, hope to speak with Misha soon about his decision to move to that division. I, I always love checking, uh, checking in with one of the most cerebral guys in the UFC, Misha Sirkinov. Uh, excited for him. And uh, always uh, a pleasure to catch up with him. Hopefully we can do that. Sometime soon, maybe even as soon as next week. I'll shoot him a message, see what he's got going on. I also want to give a shout-out to Brendan Schaub, who uh, told a story recently about uh, 
saving children who were uh, in a deadly car crash. Their mother, unfortunately, was uh, murdered. As, uh, you know, the, the driver is being charged with murder as a, I believe it was a targeted collision. Uh, and uh, the children luckily survived. Uh, Brendan Schaub uh, helped rescue them from the vehicle. So shout out to Brendan Schaub. Uh, Schaub is a, a good dude. He's always been good to me. Uh, I've always uh, liked what he brings to the sport, what he brings to this space, and uh, have been happy to see his success. You know, I always hope that when fighters retire, they can have as uh, good a career after their fighting career as uh, Brendan Schaub has. So shout out to Big Brown for uh, helping save some kids. Very, uh, very excited about that. And also shout out to Ariel Hawani. He's back doing his thing on the MMA Hour this week. Uh, did his uh, first show back with uh, Dustin Poirier, Israel Desonia, Darren Till, uh, Rampage Jackson, Uriah Faber. So kudos to him doing his thing. Uh, not, not a ton to recap from last week. We saw the, uh, the PFL tournament continue in the uh, lightweight division with uh, two, two wins. And uh, the welterweight division as well. We saw Ray Cooper III defeat Rory McDonald. And uh, Magomed, Magomed Karamop defeat Sabadou C. And uh, that, was, uh, that was the, I guess, main event that I think a lot of people, or the tournament finale that I think a lot of people would like to see is see the two tournament winners from the past run it back. So uh, kudos to those guys for getting that done. Uh, very excited for uh, the remainder of the PFL tournament and, uh, and how that all goes down. It's been uh, a solid season once again. So uh, solid fighters in that promotion. We also saw uh, Hausch Manfio and uh, Loic, Loic Rajabov. Loic? Loic Rajabov? I can't remember how to pronounce his name, but I, I did watch. So you know, don't accuse me of not watching. I watched those. I thought that the uh, Manfio collared fight seems to have uh, gotten a lot of controversy around it. Unfortunately, I can't give you a really good opinion on it because it was going head-to-head with a great fight in Bellator um, in the, uh, the bantamweight division. Magomed, Magomedov uh, falling short against uh, Ra- uh, Raufian Stotts. So that was an awesome fight in the bantamweight division. Uh, if you didn't get a chance to check that out, I would recommend it. Uh, Raufian Stotts looking great, might be the number one contender. You know, I, I was criticizing everybody who was saying that he should be, him and Sergio, they're going to fight each other, they're training partners, blah, blah, blah. I said, you know, wait for him to beat one of the other guys. Let him beat Magomed Magomedov. Uh, you know, you've got some other, some other guys. Patchy mixes uh, in the mix, pun intended, in that division. Uh, you still have Juan Archuleta, the former champion. So there's still a lot of moving parts in that division. I said, you know what? Don't, let, let's not jump the gun here. Let's, let's, you know, Stotts needs to get a good win. And he was about a 4-1 to underdog and beats Magomedov. So good on him. I thought he won all three rounds of that fight. And uh, very excited to see his growth in this sport, his progression. You know, another one of these guys where you look at uh, Bellator, you had Musasi defeat Salter, but now you look at uh, who's next, Austin Vanderford, somebody who the UFC could have signed off the contender series, and uh, Raphael Stotts falling short um, on the uh, Dana White looking for a fight show. And, uh, you know, he, he missed his opportunity to sign with the, the UFC as uh, Marab Dualashvili beat him in a very short order in the first round so uh it's good to see him bounce back from that and uh, now become one of the uh, the faces of the bellator bantamweight division um we also have a bellator card this weekend as well lots going on we got czech congo taking on sergey Kharitanov in the main event and uh, a, a very important fight in the featherweight division between uh, jj wilson and uh, adam borks so uh 
Nice to see that. Keith Lee back in action as well, the, uh, the younger brother of Kevin Lee. Uh, Kelvin Tiller is having uh, his first fight in Bellator. It was a, a bit of a, uh, I think it's Kevin Tiller. Is it Kevin Tiller or Kelvin Tiller? I'm looking at best fight odds here. I hope they're not, I hope they're not throwing me for a loop here. But, uh, yeah, we've got Kelvin Tiller. It is Kelvin Tiller. My mistake. Who uh, was a bit of a staple early on in PFL. Expected to be one of the top heavyweights. That never really came to fruition there. But he'll be taking on Marcelo Golm, former UFC fighter as well, on that Bellator card. So uh, we'll see how those ones play out. And uh, very excited for all of the fights this week. Uh, another thing that came up was the, uh, the UFC. I guess it's not U- the UFC, but... Uh, Endeavor, rather, have released their um, their earnings. And uh, the UFC having a fantastic uh, first two quarters for Endeavor. Uh, Endeavor as a whole ended up losing money because they're, you know, they're in a business that has taken a pretty big hit in terms of um, the you know, live event space, talent management, etc. So uh, they, they still reported a net loss of three, 319 0.6 million. So, you know, a lot of people will bring up uh, fighter pay and a lot of the different things. Uh, but we have to keep in mind that uh, while the UFC is thriving, Endeavor, you know, needs the UFC to bring in that money. And the UFC has done their part. But uh, part of bringing in that money, unfortunately, is, is them keeping bonuses of $50,000. Uh, you know, fighter pay coming into question, that, that crypto.com deal. And as much as us in the media will we'll continue to talk about fighter pay being an issue, eventually it's going to have to fall on the fighters and managers to sort this out if the fighters are unhappy with their their pay. And the fighters at the top are going to have to take a stand. But, you know, ultimately I think we do need to look at both sides and look at the fact that Endeavor um, has did, did still report a net loss uh, at their end of quarter. So that's uh, something we, you know, we, we do need to look at as a reason why the UFC um, might might need to cut some of their expenses in, in the way that they have been, in the way that we've been seeing, not not paying Francis Ngannou for that big fight against uh, Derek Lewis, or um, you know, recently Cyril Gunn was talking about how he made I think it was 300k, and then you know after taxes and paying his team it was about 180k for a heavyweight main event on a pay per view. But you know, be that as it may, again we I, I think that we do need to look at how uh, the UFC runs their business, like it's a, a live event company and not a, a professional sports league. It's they they. they look at things in a different way in terms of uh, the economics of this. And there is no collective bargaining. And until there is, you know, we can, we can keep yelling about fighter pay until the cows come home. But, you know, the media can do their part. But ultimately, it falls on the fighters and their managers to, to do something about that. But uh, just adding a little bit of context to this particular story about how, uh, you know, the UFC, even if they're having a, a great quarter and uh, a historic quarter, you know, everything in the world of Endeavor still needs to, the math still needs to add up in that regard for them to get their return on investment. And that might be why we're seeing uh, a lot of these situations arise in terms of fighter pay. All right. You've, uh, I've, I've been talking for just about long enough. I, I don't know if I'm trying to think if there's anything I want to break down in terms of uh, this UFC card this weekend. You can check out my TSN Edge picks on, uh, on my Twitter account, at Aaron Bronstetter and at uh, tsn.ca slash UFC, as well as the TSN Edge page. Uh, I'll be submitting those today. Uh, a lot of nice underdogs on this card that I, I uh, see some good value in, so I'll be sure to share those with the masses very, very soon. And uh, I look forward to you watching those, and hopefully we can get back into a good groove and uh, 
you know, hit, hit some of these plays for this week and, uh, and beyond. But I appreciate all the good feedback on that. And, uh, yeah, a lot of MMA coming up right now. You've got Contender Series around the corner. We had the last tough episode of the season yesterday, and uh, the finale, I guess, is next weekend. At least the fights that uh, the final fights will be on next weekend's card. Um, you've got uh, Treshawn Gore taking on Brian Battle. And you've got uh, Brady Heastand taking on uh, Ricky Tercio. So uh, very excited about the the four finalists. I'm, I think I'm very high on all four of them and excited to see how they uh, end up turning out in terms of their careers. I'm sure all of them will get signed after this. Uh, at least I hope that all of them will get signed after this. So looking forward to that. Uh, a shout out to Canadian gangster Olivier Aubon Mercier, who uh, scored a win last week. Good on him. Uh, we hoped for the same for Rory McDonald, but uh, fell short against Ray Cooper III. A very tough matchup. Ray Cooper III is a very underrated fighter, in my opinion. I think he, I think he could be a top ten guy in the UFC. I really do. I think his. Uh, and then you look at Magomed Magomed Karimov, who's probably going to be favored over him as another guy that I think could be a top ten guy in the UFC. So uh, it's nice to see some good talent rise to the top of the uh, the PFL. And while they're signing these guys like Anthony Pettis and Rory McDonald, and they haven't necessarily been delivering, it does go to show that the level of talent in the PFL is legit. Uh, I'm not sure if that's why they're signing these guys to prove that or if they want these guys to just become bigger household names. I'm sure that having Rory McDonald's in the finals would, would have been bigger for them in terms of uh, ratings. But either way, I, th- I think that Ray Cooper III looks like, a, looks like a problem. He's really good. Really good. Um, so let's, uh, let's get to our interviews. We'll start off with uh, Kelvin Gastelum, who's in the main event against Jared Cannonier. We'll follow that up with an interview with Kayla Harrison, Brandon Royval, and Ignacio Bahamondes. Uh, thanks for tuning in to the TSN MMA show. Here are our interviews for the week. And uh, next week, we're going to have some, uh, some more interviews uh, with the, uh, the top finalists, uh, as well as several other fighters on the uh, UFC on ESPN card. you got uh, Giga Chik- be uh, speaking with him, Gerald Hart. Always love speaking with uh, Gerald, uh, Kevin Lee. So, uh, yeah, exciting week. Uh, coming up. So with that, oh, actually, one thing I, want to, uh, I want to shout out all of the fighters that have trained under these who passed away, unfortunately, this week. Uh, Adrian Yanez, uh, you know, he lost his father, and Saul Solis has been kind of a father figure to him. So it must be devastating for, for him in particular to uh, to lose two uh, instrumental parts of his life so close together, and uh, I really feel for Adrian Yan as one of the great up-and-comers in the UFC right now, who I think has a great future in the promotion. Uh, so my, my thoughts are, are with him and uh, with everybody who trains under Saul Solis, uh past, uh, present. And uh, I, I, I'm very sad to see that uh, he passed. So all the best to those who trained under uh, Coach Solis in the past. But uh, with that, let's get to our interviews again. Kayla Harrison, Kelvin Gastelum, who will be our first interview, uh, as well as Brandon Royval and uh, Ignacio Bajamundas. Thanks for tuning in. Joe will be back with me next week, I believe, and we'll be able to uh, recap all of these great cards and uh, have some more interviews for you then. So thanks for tuning in. Here's Kelvin Gastelum on the TSN MMA Show. I'm pleased to be joined now by Kelvin Gastelum, who's in the main event this weekend against Jared Cannonier. So this is another big main event for you. you. You continue to stay in this title mix. They cannot push you out of the title mix. You keep facing all of these really tough guys. Tell me about Jared Cannonier and how he stacks up. They can try and push me out, but they won't take <laughs> me out. Uh, you know, uh, we're back here. We know um, we know we have what it takes to be able to be and compete with these guys. So 
Uh, we're here once again. You know, Jared's a strong guy. He's a very big guy. He's coming from heavyweight, obviously, and, um, you know, he's ranked number three. So we're expecting a very, very hard fight, a very strong-willed fighter. Uh, but at the same time, you know, we've been been in there with, with some of the best. We've seen it all. We've done it. We've done it almost all. And so we have re, re, we have a response, in my my opinion, for everything he may bring. Now, this is your 20th UFC fight. But I went and looked back at your history from from now back until I guess you were uh, at the top of the 170 division. And you have had one of the toughest schedules of any fighter in the UFC for a long period of time. Is it hard to not get burnt out when you have to keep facing all of these really top tier um, competitors time in and uh, time out? <laughs> well, you know what? I, I feel like, um, man, I feel for the last few fights, obviously, it hasn't gone my way uh, since the Adesanya fight. And so I feel like, in a way, I took some time off. Uh, I haven't been winning these fights. And so for this fight, I feel there's a renewed focus, there's a renewed energy, there's a renewed everything for this fight that I've had. Uh, this has been far, by far one of the best training camps that I've had in a long time, if not ever. Uh, and so me and my team are very proud of the work that we've done the last, uh, this, this, this past couple months. So we're excited to showcase on Saturday. You know, fighters always talk about how they've had a great camp, but convince me, like what, what made this camp different? What made this camp better than the previous ones? Sure. I mean, I just don't think there's been a, uh, after 20 fights, I don't think there's been a single fighter that uh, has faced this version of myself. Um, like I said, the preparation for this fight was just like unlike any other fight that I've had, unlike any other training camp that I've had, the communication that I had with my training partners, with my trainers, the goals that we had set, that we accomplished throughout, throughout the weeks, weeks and weeks uh, after weeks. Um, leading up to the fight uh, has been unlike any other camp that I've had. I'm just telling you, no one's faced this version of myself, and so I'm excited to show it. Now, I saw your media day scrum that you just did uh, earlier today. And you were talking about how uh, Henry Cejudo played a big role in this camp. Can you tell me about his involvement? Yeah, so I started going out there. I started uh, my camp out there uh, training with him and his people and kind of pick his brain a little bit. Yeah, we get to hang out all the time. Um, and I get to pick his brain a little bit, but then we go back to hanging out. This time was just all work. This time was just all picking his brain. This time was just all training and really getting down to the science of it and, and really getting down to, to, to his, his structure and his, uh, his methods, you know, and I got to pick his brain about it and see how he does it. And I tried and tried, uh, I tried kind of to emulate and, and apply it to my team and my, my people. And like I said, the results that we had this camp were just unlike any other that I've had before. Was Paulo Costa down there when you were training? No, he was not. I was going to say, you could, have, you could have thanked him for keep, he keeps pulling out of these fights. You keep getting his opponents. But next time, let's hope he doesn't right. pull out. You're not going to face Marvin Vittori next, are you? <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> How's Marvin doing? What did you think of his performance against Israel? Yeah, Marvin's back uh, back in training. I think he had a, a foot surgery for something that happened. He had like an old injury there. But uh, he's back training. He's in there uh, training, sparring, um, doing good. He's motivated to fight this next fight against Paulo. Um, you know, obviously he, he got in uh, Israel, Israel's face. He got in there. 
but just kind of wouldn't let loose uh, as much as I was hoping for, or maybe even go for the takedowns more. Um, you know, he maybe won a round or two, but overall, I think uh, Israel won that fight. No, I thought his distance control. Sorry, yeah, yeah, he he did look uh, like uh, he was on point that day in particular. And I thought that Marvin was doing so, some of the right things, but like you said, I feel like once he got in close, he he wasn't really executing. I'm sure as he would have liked to. Right, right, absolutely. You know, he'd get in his face, he'd get in his face, but then kind of wouldn't execute after that. Now, I saw Chael Sonnen tell a story about you. I was watching it on YouTube, and he was saying that when you were on The Ultimate Fighter with him, um, when, when he was training with you, he saw that whatever gear he was able to go into, you were kind of able to match that gear. And he said, well, when Kelvin starts getting into the fourth and fifth gear, that's, that's when we got to really see what this guy's about. Do you feel like when you fight, you, you tend to match your opponent's uh, energy and, and match your opponent uh, with what they're bringing to the table? And if so, do you, do you feel like there's a way where you're going to start to dictate the pace yourself and have them try to keep up with you? Because we've seen that your cardio has never come into question. You've got an, an incredible chin. You've got great durability. If you were to really push the pace on an opponent, especially a guy like Cannoneer who's only done five uh, rounds on one occasion, do you feel like that could be beneficial? And is that something that you've been working on this camp? Yeah, it's something that I've uh, actually thought about. And, um, yeah, it's something that I just kind of do subconsciously. Um, you know, I, I, I match. I, I, you know, if somebody comes in with a high energy, then I have to match it and kind of bring it back down here and kind of cruise there until I, I, I kind of separate myself from the person if I can. Um, but that's just how I do it. I don't know how to explain it other than that. It's just, it's just, I don't go out there and I go for a sprint. I just go out there and I try and. and check out the waters real cool, you know, instead. <laughs> have you ever tried to perhaps be the one who is going to dictate the, the pace at the start of the fight? Is that something you've ever really uh, experimented with and has it worked for you? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I remember after the Neil Magny fight, I got a late start in that fight. So I, I, I remember thinking like for my next fight, I'm going to get it. I'm going to start right away, whether it be a punch, whether it be a kick. And it was against John Hendricks. And yeah, I went out there and I, and I, and I, through first, you know, I went out there and you dictate the pace first. Now, another question for you. Have you watched The Ultimate Fighter this season by any chance? A little bit. Well, the reason I bring it up is the guy that made it to the finals, Brian Battle in the middleweight division, is very similar circumstance to yourself. Last, last guy picked on his team, and he's really risen to the occasion. Uh, what kind of advice would you give for somebody in that spot where, where they're kind of the last guy picked, they have to really prove their medal, and now they're in the finals? Uh, I would say just keep doing what you're doing. Go out there and get a good training camp. Surround yourself with great people that really care about you and your career. And uh, go out there and execute. Where do you see the middleweight division going? Obviously, Robert Whitaker is getting the next uh, shot. But it seems like every time you're still in this mix, it's kind of wide open after that. Like the, the next guy is kind of determined. But the guy after that, we don't really know. And I mean, you've given Israel Adesanya the toughest matchup of anybody. And I would even say, including Jan Blachowicz, who beat him. I think that you, get, you pushed him more in your fight with him than, than Jan did in their fight. Uh, do, you, do you feel like a win here over Cannoneer uh, puts you right there? It keeps you right in the mix for the title shot. And uh, if... If not, is there anybody that you see right now that you think should be after uh, Robert Whitaker? Yeah, I don't see why it would put me right there after Robert. Um, you know, a lot of people know what I bring to the table. I know what I bring to the table. I still think people know that I still belong with one of the best people in the, with 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 best people in the world. So um, 
I would see no problem with me being right up there, and I don't. I, I think people would agree. All right, Kevin. Well, I'm of that opinion as well. I would love to see you and Israel run it back one day. Uh, thanks for doing this. Really appreciate it. Yourself, Jared Cannon, your five-round main event this Saturday. Uh, best of luck and look forward to speaking with you again. Thank you, my man. Likewise. Pleased to be joined now by Kayla Harrison, who's in the PFL Women's Lightweight Playoffs, taking on Jenna Fabian in the main event uh, of an upcoming PFL card. So that, that's on uh, August the 23rd. Do I have that right? 19th. August 19th. August 19th. I'm getting all my dates mixed up with so many PFL, Bellator, UFC cards. I have, I have trouble keeping it uh, going. So Jenna Fabian, you were supposed to face her in the past. This has now come together. Mm-hmm. She's a tall, rangy fighter, more of a striker. Do you feel like that's a good matchup for you, knowing that your bread and butter is not just uh, to be able to outstrike opponents anyways, but to be able to take them down and impose your will? Yeah, I feel like it's just kind of your classic um, matchup. She's a tall southpaw striker. I'm a short southpaw grappler. Um, I think it'll probably be interesting just because you don't see many southpaws, so um, finding training partners and stuff um, can be difficult. Luckily for me, I train at American Top Team, the biggest gym in the world. So I've got more than plenty of, you want a Southpaw tall, six foot tall striker? We got it. Um, but I think it's going to be, you know, just who goes out there and instills their will and imposes their game plan. Another former teammate of yours from ATT, Tyron Woodley, said something interesting recently uh, that kind of resonated with me. It's like when he joined, when he started doing MMA, he said he was focused on boxing like 80 to 90 percent of the time because he knew he had that wrestling in his back pocket. Is that kind of how you train? Is, is striking a, a major point of emphasis for your training? Um, no, I think that, you know, MMA probably since Tyrone started has evolved quite a bit. And it's not necessarily like... Um, I don't do boxing and then kickboxing and then jujitsu. I do a lot of MMA, you know, so I do a lot of MMA based techniques. I do a lot of striking, but it's, it's all kind of striking to get into the clinch or get to the takedown. It's all, um, it's all about utilizing that aspect of the game, those ranges of the game to get to where I'm most comfortable. So I'll never forget, you know, my foundation. I just try and build on that foundation. I guess judo is probably a bit of a harder foundation to get into MMA than just like strict wrestling, I would imagine. You don't see a lot of people with a judo base in MMA. Yeah, I think the, you know, the throws, the trips, the sweeps and all that stuff are super beneficial and really good. I think that I have a natural, um, you know, I'm able to to naturally pick up the grappling aspect of it. But, you know, you don't learn a blast double in judo and you don't, you know, don't learn some of the intricacies of that, riding time, things like that. So... Um, it's not as good of a base as wrestling, in my opinion. So how much of your time is spent on, on striking? I mean, I don't know, probably 50-50. Okay, well, there, there you go. Uh, so in terms of uh, Jenna, in terms of the finals, do you have a prediction who's going to win on the other side of the bracket? I know you've been very high on Larissa's performances uh, this particular season. Yeah, I think that Larissa's, um, she's evolved quite a bit she's put on a lot of weight she looks stronger more powerful um her striking's gotten a lot more crisp i think that uh, but taylor's you know taylor's a tough fighter she's a dog i think that she's um hungry to go out there and and prove something and i think that she might be able to wear larissa i think doesn't have the greatest gas tank so something could happen there but my gut tells me that larissa's gonna win on the other side 
So I wanted to get some clarification from you on something. The, the PFL put out a press release saying that they'd signed uh, Marina Moknatkina, I think I got that pronounced uh, properly, and another uh, fighter in the division whose name is, is escaping me right now. But a lot of the press release was about how they're going to be competing with Kayla Harrison, and in 2022, they're going to be in the, the tournament alongside Kayla Harrison. Just to clarify, nothing's been set in terms of next year. You're still a free agent at the end of this year? Yeah, nope. I have, um, I have one contract through October 27th at this point in time. Next year, do you think you're going to be fighting at 155 pounds or 145 pounds, if you have to guess? Um, my guess is 145 pounds. All right. Well, there you go. So the PFL is thinking of starting that division up, I guess, is what you're trying to say. I'm just joking. <laughs> we'll, we'll, move, we'll move on. We'll move on. Um, <laughs> so uh, with the tournament coming up, you've got, you've got uh, some great matchups in the welterweight division. You've got Ray Cooper III taking on Rory McDonald. And uh, Magomed Magomed Karimov is taking on uh, Sadabu C, I believe is how his, his name is pronounced. Um, that's a really exciting bracket. Do you have any predictions for that one? Oh, man. I think that um, as exciting and fun as Ray is to watch, and boy, you know, he could catch you with just one punch. I think that Rory is just a, a little bit higher fight IQ. He's pretty well-rounded. I expect for him to find a way to win in that fight. And um, same goes for Maga. I think that um, he... He's just a stellar fighter. He's very well-rounded and um, really good at keeping a set pace and, and just finding openings. So I think that Maga and, and Rory are going to be in the finals. So that would be my prediction. Now, when, when you watch the uh, different PFL fights, how, how on top of things are you? Did you watch Rory's last fight? Because if so, I, I imagine it's probably um, a good badge of honor for you to, that you don't usually let your opponents get you to a decision. Um, yeah, I think... To be honest with you, in my opinion, even though he has a loss now, I think that that is the best possible outcome for him. Because if it had gone another way, he would have faced MAGA in the in the playoffs instead of in the finals. And I think that that would have he wouldn't have qualified for the finals. I think this way he has at least a shot of of qualifying for the finals. I don't think that I don't think he beats MAGA. I'm sensing along those lines to him, and he didn't appreciate that. I'm just just, just putting it out there. Say that again. What I said something along those lines to him. I don't think he appreciated. It. I said you. It's. I said it's almost uh, I, lucky that it happens. You get to face Ray Cooper, who might be an easier opponent for you. And he's like, No, I think I can beat them both. Yeah, I've, I'm. That's what you're supposed to think. I have nothing personal against Rory. I don't know him. I just Maga trains at ATT. I see how hard he works, and um, my gut, my gut says go with Maga. Yeah, he's uh, he's a tough fighter. Um, Fantastic. Uh, so there's a lot of really good talent in the PFL. I feel like it's kind of underrated. If you look across the board, I think the finalists for every single division would easily be, do well in, in other promotions. I, I just think that I mentioned when the PFL started, I had said that I thought that like the average fighter, if you were like rank fighters from one to 10, that the average fighter in the PFL is better than the average fighter in Bellator. Hmm. Interesting. I don't know. I'd have to think about that. But I do. I do know one thing, you know, that no fight is boring. Everyone comes out. They have something they're fighting for. Um, I feel like they've done a really good job with production this year. I think they brought in some big-name stars. I think that um, they're really doing a good job of making a brand. How much MMA do you watch, like, outside of the, the PFL events? Like, do you watch UFC events every Saturday or Bellator events every Friday? Everyone's been asking me this lately. No, I mean, I have a life. You know, I have, I have my hands full with... Uh, training, being a parent, um, dentist appointments, doctor's appointments, therapist, this, that, the, like, you know, the life is pretty full. And usually I'm in bed by eight 30. I do turn it on. Um, 
if I'm awake, for sure, of course, I'll watch the fights. But mostly what happens is Mike Brown will text me and say, did you see that technique we've just been working on? And I'll be like, oh, shit, no. And he's like, turn <laughs> on the fights. And I'm like, okay. I think you you know more UFC champions, though, than Derek Lewis. I quizzed Derek Lewis on who the MM, who the UFC champions were, like, two weeks ago. I think he was able to name, like, three of them. He, he, like, oh doesn't, he doesn't watch at all. Like, the only thing... I think the only fight he watched recently was Cyril Gaon against Volkov because he knew he was facing the winner. Oh, my God. Good for him. <laughs> yeah, he, he says he's got, you know, he's got his kids he's dealing with. He doesn't have time for it. I always find that surprising, though. I, find, I wonder, like, how do fighters that don't watch at all like learn or watch other things to be like, I should learn that. I should drill that. I mean, well, I'm blessed because I have a nerd for a coach, you know, who watches every single event or is at every single event, every, you know, every friggin' week. But I think you just have to have, there's gotta be balance in life, right? Like, of course you study, of course you go over film, of course you learn new techniques, of course you, and also as a fan, you want to watch the exciting fights or watch the big, you know, the top tier fights, but it's like, I wonder how many baseball players are watching baseball games when they're not playing baseball, you know, like, and they play a crap ton of games. Like, I mean, I, I think that I just train all the time. So it's hard for me to be like, Oh, I can't wait to go home and think about fighting more. <laughs> like <laughs> They probably watch a total of zero games outside of their own teams. Like you'd have to imagine it's about 162 games. So if you have an off yeah. day, I think they get like two or three off days a month. There's no chance they're watching baseball. Zero chance they're watching baseball. So I take one day off a week, and I'm, there's zero chance I'm I'm gonna be watching MMA film. Yeah, like if I was a hitting coach, I wouldn't even be watching my own games. I'd be watching the other pitchers, like the the pitcher for the next night. Right. I'd be watching on my phone, like during the game. Right. <laughs> like, what's the point of watching your own guys hit when you've already taught them stuff? You got to look at the, the look ahead. Well, that's what Mike Brown does. I mean, he's. I mean, we film all of our sparring and stuff as well, but he also is like. He's, he's constantly watching stuff, watching it evolve. He watch, watching inspiring, watching it evolve, what works, what doesn't work. Maybe try this, maybe try that. Um, make it your own. You know, that's his favorite saying. I say, well, how do you want me to do it? And he says, well, you know, just make it your own. And I'm like, no, I am not that kind of athlete. You tell me what to do and I will do it. Like, I'm not going to make it my own. Tell me what to do. I just start throwing weird spinning stuff during fights and be like, that was your instructions. You told me to make it my own. Don't do that. That's a my bad own. idea. Never do that. You will never do anything spinning ever. You can write that down. All right, I'm going to save that clip for, uh, the, you know, if you ever throw any sort of spinning attack. Um, Please do. Save that. Uh, Mike Brown was coaching Dustin Poirier uh, against Conor McGregor recently. Um, do you feel mm -hmm. like people thought, thought that McGregor had a better chance than he did? Like at, the end, like, at the end of that round, people said, well, he, you know, it was an injury. Who knows how the fight would have gone? To me, I feel like we kind of saw the yeah, direction that fight was going in. Yeah, I think people are delusional if they think that. But I'm not surprised. There are a lot of delusional Conor McGregor fans. How do, how do you react when you see... I mean, I know you've kind of... You said you want to stop being miscongeniality uh, and start talking a little bit more trash, but where's the line? Like, where do you think Conor McGregor is and where do you think the line is? There's, there's definitely a line, and Conor has definitely passed it multiple times. Um no, I mean, I'm not like, I'm not here to talk shit about Connor. Like, I just think that, I don't know. There, it, me personally, you know, I have, there, there are things that I want to accomplish and I know that I might have to go outside of my comfort zone in order to accomplish them, but I'm never going to sell my soul to like, 
to make a dollar. Like I'm never going to sell my soul for the spotlight or for to say, like I would never do that. So I think he crossed the line when he, to me, he kind of sold his soul because it doesn't seem like he's really that kind of guy. But some of the stuff he says, I wouldn't say to, like, I probably wouldn't say to Hitler, you know, like what that, like, I don't know. <laughs> well, I mean, he, he is dead. So th thankfully he's dead. So you don't have to worry about that, that coming up. But uh <laughs> <laughs> I feel like your type of trash talk is the best kind, though. You just talk about how good you are. Like, don't focus on the other yeah, yeah. person. Just focus on yourself. Yeah, you just make it about you. <laughs> yeah, see, I like that. Uh, speaking of you, Fearless Foundation, tell me a little bit about it. I see that you, you've um, kind of given uh, it a, a second boost. I guess when you first started with the PFL, it was going, and I think you must have taken a little bit of a break from it to focus on the PFL, and now you're, you're giving it really a second wind. So tell me about where it's at and, and what you're doing with it right now. Yeah, so... Um... So the foundation is um, basically, I was sexually abused. I, I set up the Fearless Foundation for survivors of child sexual abuse. Um, and really it's kind of a place, the first part is education. So I wrote a book, um, it's called Fighting Back. You can get it on Amazon and it's not a memoir and it's not a textbook. It's kind of a guide on what child sexual abuse looks like. I wrote it with two psychiatrists from McLean Hospital. It uses my story, um, you know, my journal entries from the time of everything happening to talk about what is grooming. And then the experts break down, you know, what grooming is. And then you talk about why do kids stay silent and then gives you tips on, okay, this is what, how I should talk to my child if I suspect something is going on. And then also gives you a little bit of hope because I did win two Olympic gold medals and I do have a, a happy ending to my story. So, um, yeah, the foundation is, uh, it's it's creeping along slowly you know i have big plans for it you know part of the part of the foundation is also from my last fight until this fight any donations um that people give will go to the surfside um building collapse survivors and victims um and their families so um if you want to donate you can go to fearlessfoundation.org and from now until august 19th those donations will go to surfside um but yeah i think that part of being a champion part of being um, a role model or like working in this business is having legacy and to me legacy is what you do with this small pocket of of fame or power or whatever you want to call it that you've been given and for me you know my legacy is going to be my kids and my legacy is going to be how I give back to the world how I change the world for the better um, it's not about being undefeated or being the best in the world. Of course, those are all my personal goals and those are like things that I strive for. But what I do with the platform I'm given when I reach those goals is how I want to be remembered. I mean, listen, if your book saves one life, because we know that child sexual abuse and, and suicide, there's a correlation. If, if, you, if, if somebody reads your book, a parent reads your book and is able to detect something early, uh, in their child, mm -hmm. and you save their, you could ultimately save lives with this book. I think the way right. that you've written the book is very, very uh, smart and uh, and very helpful. You know, a lot of people will share their stories, but the, right. the way to figure out, figuring out how to avoid yes. those stories from repeating themselves, I think, is so huge. Yeah, I mean, what if one kid reads this book and then they tell their parents that something's going on, you know, and then they're saved from years of possible suffering just by speaking out. You know, I think one of the biggest parts of child sexual abuse is the the guilt and the shame and, and the secrecy, like that. People don't really talk about it, you know? So this is me very loudly saying to the world, it's okay to talk about it. It's okay to 
to share your story. It's okay to um, ask for help. It's okay to speak out. Um, I, I think that that's really important. I think we've started doing that kind of with the Me Too movement and things like that. I think our society is getting better at um, talking about this, what was once a taboo, but I think the second aspect is education. And that's why the book is so important because you can educate yourself on what it looks like. You know, it's not the stranger in a trench coat, trench coat, or, you know, a guy in a van, you know, saying here, come pet my puppies. Like over 75% of the time, you know, child sexual abuse occurs from someone that you know. So, or the child knows, you know, it's the neighbor's dad or the coach or the this or you know a female like it, it's not just males it's females too but i think educating our society is the next big step once we've started talking about it so i encourage parents teachers doctors police officers social workers um pick up a copy of the book educate yourself and then give it to someone else so they can educate themselves as well with the olympics simone biles had um a situation where she was not competing she had a lot of trouble um, being, um, you know, mentally ready at that time. Do you feel like trauma was involved with that at all? If you had to guess, just the fact that her gymnastics career is so intertwined with her abuse, w would you guess that th that played a role in terms of it being, hap you know, happening at the Olympic on the biggest stage? I mean, you know, I don't want to speak on Simone's ha behalf or pretend to be an expert of any kind, but I can tell you that it's a very difficult thing to... Um, differentiate you know what happened to you in the past and the present you know it can be a very challenging thing especially especially if you're in that situation if you're in that setting over and over and over again you know it's um flashbacks are a very real thing um it, yeah i think it would be very difficult to to be able to disassociate from what happened versus real time today well, it's good. it's good to get your take on it. A lot of people are being armchair analysts in terms of what, what they thought was going on. And uh, it's good to hear from somebody who has a very similar background. Yeah, I don't want to be an armchair analyst at all. I Only Simone knows what she's going through and, and what she went through. And um, yeah, I don't want to speak. I, I'm not an expert. I have no idea exactly her. I don't know the details of her story. I don't know everything, but I know personally for a long time, it was very hard to go to a judo tournament and not be like, everyone's staring at me, like everyone's looking at me, oh my God, something's wrong with me. Like, uh, just like a lot of negative feelings and connotations that went along with it. So that takes a long time to break out of. Well, thanks. I appreciate you discussing that. I know that you don't have firsthand knowledge of what she went through, of what she's going through now, but you went through a very similar situation in your life and your athletic career. So I thought I'd pick your brain on that one. Uh, thanks for this, Kayla. Uh, best of luck against Jenna Fabian, and I hope to speak with you again uh, before the finals. Sounds good. Thank you so much, Aaron. It is the people's main event this weekend. Brandon Royval taking on Alexandre Pantoja in a fantastic. Yeah, that'd be known. What was that? Yeah, let that be known. It's a people's main event. <laughs> All right. Well, you, main event. I didn't even have a chance to finish my introduction, and you're making sure that we affirm that. But it is the people's main event. This is an awesome fight. Yourself, Alessandro Pantoja. Uh, big stakes right now in the flyweight division. It's pretty much wide open right now with uh, Brandon Moreno being the champion. Uh, an unfortunate ending to your fight uh, with him. An injury stoppage at the end of the first round. Uh, you were looking good early in that round. 
And, uh, of course, I th- I'm sure you want to run that one back. But do you think a, a win over Pantoja is enough to get you there? I think a, a good win over Pantoja is more than enough to get me there. I think Pantoja has two wins over the champ himself. And I think uh, getting that and getting that job done in fashionable and impress- in, in, in impressive way uh, will definitely give me that title shot. Pantoja is one of the scarier guys in the division. Do you feel any differently going into this fight uh, versus any of your previous opponents? Yeah, for sure, man. Uh, I definitely go in there with the thought of like, uh, like at the end of the fight, I'm not going to be walking away like no matter when, when whatever it is, a first round win, whatever it is, is I'm not walking out of there without injuries and all the above because of what he brings to the table, his mentality and uh, what he's willing to do out there. So, uh, yeah, it's it's a weird mind state when you're going against like, I don't know, maybe like a, a wrestler compared to going against someone who's trying to put your lights away every second of the fight, you know? So uh, it's definitely a different mentality I carry on and an actual like real fighters when I fight them. So how do you get mentally prepared for something like that? Uh, just stay, just watch as much gangster movies, listen to hip hop, man. I don't know. <laughs> Kung Fu movies and, and, uh, and hip hop, I guess. I don't know. What are you listening? Uh, what hip hop are you listening to to get you prepared? Uh, just a bunch of stuff. Same old, same old, same old. I think I've been on like a 50 cent, uh, a 50 cent bench for this fight specifically. So, uh, I'm just trying to ride that high. <laughs> I want to get into DMX mode. DMX, DMX oh, makes yeah, you yeah. want to run through a wall. DMX. I feel like, uh, anytime I have a crazy fight too, I always like dive into the Sopranos and stuff. So it's just like, just, you know, just trying to be a little more gangster out there. <laughs> All right, well, I, I got you, although I can't really relate. I've never had to uh, get into a cage against Alessandro Pantoja before. I know, right? Straight up. <laughs> yeah, me either, so we'll see how it goes. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, again, Al- Alessandro is a, a very difficult opponent uh, to, to face. Uh, that being said, he's one and one he's, he, in his last two. He split them. Um, you have not lost other than that, uh, again, injury stoppage uh, against uh, Brandon Moreno, which uh, was a tough one. But you've really been thrown into the fire here in the UFC. Uh, do you like that, that they're putting you right into the title contention right away? Yeah, yeah. I think, in my opinion, I should have been in the UFC a long time ago. I think I've had this skill, uh, this skill set to be in the UFC. And uh, I think the only thing for me is just like uh, is just believing it and just believing I belong here and believing that I could be the champion of this division and I will be the champion of this division type thing. So, so for me, it's like I like being thrown in the fire. I like that I was able to fight Tim Elliott right away and to get past that because once you get past that hurdle in your head, then it's like, okay, well, I do belong here. I do not. I'm not only just saying this in my head and saying this to anybody who will listen. It's just I do belong here and I can prove it now. And uh, I get that chance to do all that stuff. And uh, so so getting thrown to the fire is like it's great. And it's just it's just more proof to me that I should have been here a long time ago. And I've been doing all the right things. Yeah, absolutely. And you've been a lot of fun to watch as well. Uh, I think that that definitely plays into your favor when it, when it comes to getting a title shot in this division. You know, everybody wants to see an exciting fight. I think you versus Brandon Moreno, we saw a very exciting first round. I, I think we'd all like to see more. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And uh, like I said, it's one of those things that it's like, if I don't get the title shot and they don't give it to Figgy, which I don't think they will because how that fight ended, is who are they going to give it to? Askar Askarov? And it's like, nobody wants to watch him fight. You know, I'd rather watch me get my shoulder dislocated over and over again than watch one of his whole fights, you know? Yeah, although I do think he is probably the one that's best uh, suited to being there. That being said, he was supposed to face Alex Perez. That fight fell through. So maybe the UFC are looking to put him up against somebody uh, that, that will challenge him so that they do have an exciting matchup for Moreno. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, uh, like I said, I, I believe you're right, too, in the sense of he deserves that uh, before me and probably a Pantoja for sure. 
but uh, he missed weight in his last fight. Um, he doesn't ever get any finishes. Uh, I think if I go out there and get an impressive finish over Pantoja, I skip the ranks. Yeah, and it's hard to get an impressive uh, finish over Pantoja as well. When was the last time that happened? Never. Uh, Pantoja's never been finished. There you go. <laughs> so if you're the first to do it, then, uh, then I, I think, like you mentioned, that certainly plays uh, into your favor uh, going forward yeah, against Brandon Moreno. And that's the mindset they want to carry in every fight is just if they've never been finished or whatever it is, I'm out there to go finish out there. I'm, I'm out there to not do what all these other flyweights are doing. I'm out there to go out there, get a 50K bonus and uh, finish every fight and let people put people on notice. I want people every time they they sign that contract against me, just have that anxiety immediately. Just like, oh, I got to fucking fight Brandon Royval and just have that fear installed in immediately. And uh as soon as they see my name, I want Pavlov's dog. I want them fearing. I want their heart beeping, all the our heart heart beating heavy, all the above, you know. Well, I mean, you don't want them salivating like uh, like Pavlov's dog did. You, you want yeah, them, yeah, you want yeah, them to run away. I want them fearing. I want I want to put it in their head that anytime they have that that name on that line, that they're gonna walk away from this fight bloody, beaten, and all the above, you know. Well, uh, that certainly is something that you could do by finishing Pantoja. Now, you look at Figueredo. I know that it's not your choice, but do you believe that he should continue fighting in the flyweight division uh, based on how difficult these weight cuts are for him and how he looked in that last fight? Uh, absolutely. I don't think, like, I've, I've walked past him. I don't think he's that big of a, like, that big of a guy. I think that if he goes about it smarter and more intelligently, I think he could definitely get that done. Um and I, I, I want him in the flyweight division, man. He's, a, he's an excitement. He's an exciting fighter. He brings uh, fans all the above, man. And uh, I, I, I hope he stays in the flyweight division at least. You know, the flyweight division was a bit iffy for a while, you know, a couple of years ago. It seems like it's right back on track, which is nice to see. But we're also starting to see some new names enter the division. You've got Cody Garbrandt, who's uh, facing uh, one of your former adversaries, uh, Kai Kara-France. And now um, we've also got... Uh, Pedro Munoz saying that he's thinking of dipping his toes into the 125 waters. Is it encouraging to see some bigger names come down to the division? Yeah, yeah, I love all that, man. Like I said, uh, any chance we can get eyes on the flyweight division means that I'm going to have a job in the future. Uh, that's that's why I like a little upset about not being a, a main event or a co-main event. I mean, in this fight because it's like we're trying to boost the flyweight division, and it's like. If I'm one of the first fights, or me and Alexander Pantoja are one of the first fights, and we're the highest ranked people on this whole entire card, then it's like uh, it's like we're kind of burying the division again, or it's like it's like we don't want him to, us to succeed in a sense. So it's like I, I don't know. I feel like every time I go out there, anyways, I want to go represent for the flyweights and represent for all the flyweights in the UFC too, not just uh, myself and and uh, whatever you know. What's the co-main event? It's Madsen versus uh, Guida. Yeah, it's Madsen versus Clay Guida. Yeah, I don't know about that. I think I think you're on yeah, something yeah. here. Like I said, uh, I'm not trying to like. I feel like originally I was like being all sour about it. I actually ran into Pantoja. We were we were working out next to each other, and uh, like like right when he walked away, I was like, dang, like let's show him why we should be the main event. And like I could see it in his eyes. He's like, hey, fuck yeah, we should be we should be that. And it's like, okay, well I'm justified. I'm not the only one feeling this type of way, you know. Uh, or or at least the co-main event is what I mean. Maybe not the main event because obviously Kevin Gaslam and uh, Cannonier are amazing, but. Uh, like, I, I think we've earned that spot, and we're just one of the more exciting one fighters in, in the world, but uh, flyweights for sure. We're, we're definitely the two most exciting flyweights there is. Uh, that being said, this is a great card full of bangers. So, I, I mean, stealing the fight of the night is going to be super hard for this card, but uh, 
but I just like I said, I, I think that we should be represented higher. And and for this is my the whole entire time I'm coming out there. I just want to prove that. I just want to prove that uh, I deserve to be the champion of this division. I would have won that Moreno fight if I didn't have my my shoulder pulled. I deserve to be on the higher cards. And more than anything, too, I just want to fight in front of a goddamn crowd, man. I want to fight in front of people, you know, like I want I want to feel like I'm in the UFC, too. So it's like uh, that. I don't know. I, I have a lot of a lot of statements I want to make on this performance. But to your point, when was the last time we saw a flyweight main event that was a non-title fight? I think we need to see more of them. I think that the flyweights are more conducive to having exciting five-round fights because you guys tend to have better cardio. You've got better speed, better volume. I would like to see, personally, as somebody who covers this sport, uh, more five-round flyweight main events. I, I just think that it would be great for the division and healthy for the division. Yeah, yeah. And in a fight like this where I'm fighting Pantoja, it's like there's not really a chance it could be boring, sadly. But uh, it's one of those things. It's like like this is a good time to boost some eyes on the flyweight division. This is a potential title contender matchup. And it's like, uh, I don't know, put some respect on the name. You know what I'm saying is is kind of like how, how I feel about it is just uh, – I don't know. Uh, but the last main event, I think, that was with the flyweight that was non-title contention was Moreno versus Asker Askroth in Mexico City. So it's one of those, like, like this is a good time to go out there and, like, uh, to boost this up a little bit. But whatever. It is what it is. I'm going to go steal the show anyway, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, well, you won't be getting any disrespect from me. I love the flyweight division. I hope it sticks around and yeah. is very fruitful in the future. That's one of my favorite divisions to watch. Now, now your shoulder injury you mentioned from your uh, last fight, I believe that's a recurring injury. What's the deal with it, and uh, is there anything that you need to be worried about going into this fight in regards to the shoulder? Yeah, man, I always feel like uh, maybe maybe if something doesn't happen for a reason, we can make it happen. But uh, I was dealing with that shoulder injury this whole entire time, uh, not having any full camps, not having any camps really at all, man. Just shadow boxing and running uh, was kind of my my last two camps uh, to to recover. And you could see that in the in the sense of like how quickly my coach took like pushed the doctor out of the way, and he's like, oh, I got this, you know. Um, so the fact that one, I can get that behind me and get that shoulder surgery done. Then in the process of all that, Brandon Moreno and Figgy have a fight. They become they have one of the best fights, are the best fight in the flyweight division there's ever been, you know. And there's no question about that. Then they rematch, and then Brandon Moreno uh, murks him, and then becomes a huge star in the process. I think it, it and the, in between all that, I'm getting surgery done, I'm recovering, and all that stuff. It puts the flyweight division on hold. So like in a weird way, it was it's a huge blessing, man. It really was, and it, it gives me a chance. It held the flyweight division on hold, and now I get to go back and fight number three with like really no stock loss in a, in a weird way. So uh, I am grateful for it. it. It worked out really well for me. And uh, when did the shoulder start feeling like itself again? And does it feel stronger than it did? Does it give you more confidence throwing it than uh, you had previously? Yeah, yeah, I could throw a jab and a hook and not worry about it. I can actually do a wrestling practice and a grappling practice without having that anxiety put up. I could go for an underhook without uh, without worrying it popping out of place, man. Uh, so, like I said, that anxiety was there, maybe not when I was actually fighting, but during the whole entire training camp and in the back room before the fight, all that stuff is like, that anxiety was there, you know? So, uh, the fact that I can get it past me and uh, not have any, like, any injuries, like, the, my shoulders are the least amount that hurt me this training camp. So, it was like, it was great, man. I'm happy that I can get it in my past and uh, kind of not lose a spot in the, the chance of all that or the process of all that. Well, it's great to see you back in there. Uh, I know it was your birthday recently. Happy birthday. Uh, did you get to do anything fun for your birthday uh, a couple of weeks ago? I know you probably had to watch what you were eating, but uh, what else yeah, did you nah, get to do? Uh, we'll, we'll celebrate. Uh, I'll give myself a birthday present after I beat Pantoja and get a couple bonuses, man. Uh, that being said is, uh, yeah, I just I had a couple like like chocolate because my birthday was like yesterday. So I had like a couple of chocolate almonds, and uh, I think that's what we celebrated it as. <laughs> 
All right, I'm going to put this in your head. Let's, let's will it into reality. Fight of the night bonus and performance of the night bonus for you. You walk away with an extra 100K. What are you getting for your birthday? Um, buying myself a, a new house or something. I don't know, man. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I don't know, man. I don't really know yet. But uh, I got to make it all happen, man. Uh, more than anything, I'm just getting the opportunity to go fight Brandon Moreno, and that's all that really matters to me. Uh, building a legacy in the process, making a name for myself, uh, all the above. But uh, more than that, I'm just getting what I think I've already earned, you know? Well, anybody can build a house. Building a legacy is a bigger thing. We're excited to see you continue Absolutely. to do that this weekend against Alexandra Pantoja. Uh, best of luck with it, and uh, hope to speak with you again soon. All right. I appreciate you, man. Thank you for your time. I'm now joined by Ignacio Bahamundes, who will be facing Roosevelt Roberts in a clash between two of the top prospects, in my opinion, to emerge from the Dana White Contender Series. Uh, how are you, Ignacio, and how's the training been for this fight? Hi. How are you? It has been really hard for this camp. I think this this is one of my hardest camp. I've never been training, but I've been feeling good. My weight is on point, so I'm ready. I'm ready to to shine again. Speaking of your weight, you are a, a huge fighter for this division for 155 pounds. Is it hard for you to cut weight to 155? If I do it, everything perfect is it, uh, not that hard. I, always the last one day or two days are the hardest but whenever i do everything correctly it's no problem easy money and how much do you cut from because i've seen you in videos training with Bilal muhammad who's 170 pounds and you look bigger than him <laughs> yeah like normally i walk i walk around like 180 185 Okay, so it's not a terrible cut for you. I think a lot of 55ers probably walk around in that range. Um, when you show up mm -hmm. at fight week, what, what do you usually weigh uh, on the Monday of a fight week? Right now, uh, this fight week, I got here in 166, 67 pounds. Oh, yeah. then, then like you said, easy money. You're yeah. showing up at 167. That's no, not no. a point. Yeah. yeah, no, right now, this camp, I did everything perfect, everything by working with people who knows how to do it and and yeah I've, I've been feeling good i've been cutting weight easily so i'm ready now is roosevelt going to be the tallest fighter that you fought against because at six three yeah like i said you're very big for the division but he's also six foot two at, at 155 pounds um, no it's not the tallest i i when i remember whenever i used to fight on 170 i fought taller guys so and i think it's better for me fight a taller guy than a short guy the short guy is a little bit harder to to hit him. He get he get under you a, a lot easier. But with a tall fighter and my high is gonna be easy. That kind of happened in your last fight against John Macdessy. It, it seemed like he was he was very fast. He's probably a guy that can make 145 pounds. Uh, but I think that that fight probably did a lot for you going forward. It's one of those losses where even though you lose that fight, you learn a lot from that experience. Do you agree? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Every time I lost a fight uh, in my career, never. Every time I lost it, I I, co I came back with like another fighter, a better fighter, a veteran. Everything. My life got better. My style got better. And my everything. Everything got better. Every time I go back stronger, because that's how they raised me. Are you looking to move to 170 pounds at some point? Is it something where you want to kind of bounce between the two weight classes? Like if it's a short notice, you'll fight at 170, but you want to stay at 155 mostly? Yeah, short notice, I can go easily 170. Easily, easily. And I think with the time, like I'm a young fighter. I'm, I'm, I'm only going to be 24 next week. 
So, so I think I'm gonna grow up, and I'm, my body's gonna get heavier every time. So, it's gotta be natural to to go to 170 in like in one year or two. But right now, I've been feeling good in 155, and my body can do it. Any big plans for your birthday next week? Just celebrate with my family. My dad is in Chicago waiting for me. The first time he's coming to see me, uh, the first time he's coming to U.S., and the first time he's come to see me to Chicago. So I'm going to be celebrating with him with a lot, a lot of good food in Chicago. So that's going to be super awesome. Chicago does have great food. You're making me miss Chicago. It's one of my favorite cities to visit when I'm covering the sports. To, when the UFC were doing events in Chicago, I used to love going because the, the food, like you said, is fantastic. Oh, the pizza from Chicago is the best. Giordano's pizza, oh, the best. Well, uh, I, I'm glad you like it. How long have you lived in Chicago for? I've been living there like almost six years. What made you decide to make Chicago your new home? Um, it, it was everything like just with my career, it, it was coming on. I was living in Miami for two years and then I see an opportunity to move to Chicago. I didn't even know about Chicago, what is good in Chicago. I just went, I just came here. I just came to Chicago for, for the wrestling because they got a lot of good wrestling and that's my, my, my lowest point of my game. So. I came here to get better and be a complete fighter. So how did you get started in martial arts? I mean, your stand-up, like you said, is, is your, your bread and butter. It's where you're at your, your best is your stand-up. And you, your wrestling seems to be improving every single fight. But how did you get your start in the sport? And, uh, and uh, where, where do you feel like you're at right now in terms of your career? Yeah, no, I, I, I started really young with my striking because my dad got a gym in Chile, a karate gym, then kickboxing. And so I've been doing punches and kicks since I'm a little kid, three years old, four years old. So right now, right now, complementing everything that I got before with the wrestling in Chicago and the jiu-jitsu, uh, I've been feeling a, a more complete fighter and, and a lot more complete than my opponent right now. How's your submission game? Because with, with your long legs, if people take you down, you certainly have a lot of options off your back. Yeah, if you take me down, I'm gonna take off your neck. <laughs> That's the plan. <laughs> Just grab on and 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 get a tight squeeze. Is that where your best submission attack is, in your opinion? Uh huh. Uh huh. Is that something we could see on Saturday? You're gonna see it for sure. If he give me his neck, he's not getting the back. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we look forward to it. Uh, as I mentioned, I I'm, was very impressed with you on the Contender Series. I think that there was a lot to learn from that first UFC fight. Hopefully you get your first UFC win uh, this weekend against Roosevelt Roberts. I uh, always appreciate your time and look forward to speaking with you again. Thank you, man. I appreciate it for everything, for the time. Thank you. I'm going to be ready. I'm, it's going to be a great show, so don't miss it. Thanks for listening to the TSN MMA Show. For all the latest UFC news, visit tsn.ca slash UFC.